today on The Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. As we look ahead to the year that is coming and what might light ahead, we can't help but consider what's happening in our recent past and the impact that is going to have this year for the Canadian military. The commander of the Canadian Army says his force is being squeezed by more demands at home and abroad, especially in Europe, even as the number of soldiers available for such missions is shrinking. In an interview with the Canadian press, Lieutenant General Joe Paul says the Army shrunk by 1,200 soldiers last year as departures outpaced recruiting. And it could lose hundreds more this year unless the situation changes. Right now, the numbers are not uh, as high as we would like. So if we remain on the same trajectory, unfortunately, we can probably anticipate shrinking by another 800. There's also been the recent debate about how or even if the military should be involved in domestic emergencies like COVID or natural disasters. There's also the war in Ukraine and that we've sent equipment in to help fight, but that does leave us without. And as the war drags on, it raises the question of whether our deployment will eventually include boots on the ground. There's also the protection of our Arctic against Russian incursions and being prepared to fight with new technology. Here to talk about these issues and more is Oral Brown, who's Professor of Internet National Relations and a senior member of the Monk School of Global Affairs at the University of Toronto. Good morning, Professor. Good morning. Well, as mentioned, uh, there are a number of issues facing the Canadian military, but it always seems to be the case, doesn't it? It has been this for a long time. And General uh, Air is very diplomatic, and he states the case in a very calm and a very modest fashion. But in fact, uh, our military has been in a crisis for Many years we have underfunded our military. We have made extraordinary demands of our troops who are people who have made great sacrifices for the country. They have not been adequately appreciated. But most importantly, we have engaged in magical thinking, believing that we can accomplish a great many vital tasks in the international system uh, without paying the price. Is General Wayne Eyre the person to take the Canadian Armed Forces forward? He certainly seems to be a very capable individual. And what he laid out is a world as it is, rather than a world as we wish it to be. And this is a world where there are dangers everywhere, where Canada is a very crucial player in the international system. We are a G7 country. We have vast resources. Naturally, we would like to spend those resources, our financial resources, on healthcare, on education, on housing. It's all understandable. But if we cannot keep our citizens safe, we cannot protect or help protect our allies, then all those other tasks that are so crucial cannot be done either. So this is the inconvenient reality that we have to confront. Well, you know, you were mentioning that, of course, Canada is a G7 member. We're also a member of NATO. But we haven't lived up to our financial obligations to NATO, certainly in a long time, if ever. In a very long time, way back at the NATO Wales Conference in 2014, there was an undertaking that there would be guidelines that we would reach all collectively, every state, a spending level of roughly 2% of the GDP, and that uh, something like 20% of that would be spent on equipment. And Canada has not even come remotely close to that. 
and yet we are a vast country. We are facing three oceans. We not only have obligations in Europe as members of NATO, but we are a Pacific state, and we can see what China is doing, how it's behaving more and more aggressively. And we have the Arctic. We want to protect our sovereignty. Russia has been militarizing the Arctic in a very rapid fashion for a great many years. So what we are facing right now is not new, but we, in a sense, lulled ourselves into a false sense of security, that somehow Canada was unique in the world, that we were immune to the pressures that other countries might be subjected to. The reality is, of course, we are not. Geopolitics comes uh, after all of us. What is the likelihood of Canadian boots being on the ground in the war in Ukraine? It depends a great deal of what we do now to avoid that. The people of Ukraine have shown a remarkable determination to defend themselves against the naked aggression by Russia. And they not only have demonstrated that determination, but also an, astonish an astonishing capability against superior enemies. And what they seek is the support of the Allies in terms of weapons, in terms of financial support, and they can do the job. And uh, they showed that, shown, have shown that. So there would be no need for boots on the ground uh, unless Ukraine collapses. And that would feed Russia's ambition because we know that Russians, uh, uh, the ambitions of the Russian regime and the Vladimir Putin does not stop at Ukraine. Ukraine is the first step, uh, not the last one, were they to be successful. So we must do everything possible to ensure that Ukraine wins. Well, we've been hearing about the 10-point peace plan that Zelensky uh, has been talking about, not only on calls for an end to the war, but includes the full withdrawal of Russian troops and the restoration of pre-invasion Ukrainian borders. Uh, what is the likelihood that this plan is going to go forward? Because Putin is not a guy to say, you know, fine, I'm done. At the moment, the chances are extraordinarily minimal because Vladimir Putin still believes that having switched from a war of aggression to a war of terror, he can wear Ukraine down and that he can intimidate and divide the West. And so consequently, until he becomes disabused of this fantasy, he is not likely to negotiate realistically. And realistically, Russia has to get out of Ukraine. This kind of aggression cannot be rewarded because the precedent that it would establish is not only something that is a threat in Europe, but we also set an example for China and China's ambitions regarding Taiwan and the South China Sea. So the entire international system is affected by what is happening in Ukraine. There is so much at stake and reality has to be brought home to Vladimir Putin. And that reality is that he's leading a kleptocracy in a remnant of the Soviet Union and that he cannot solve his domestic problems through dangerous international adventures. We have allowed him to do that for a long time. We, if we look back at January of last year, we were talking about the possibility of Russia attacking Ukraine. 
But the reality was that Russia had already attacked Ukraine. They had already attacked Ukraine in 2014, and we did not introduce effective sanctions. Uh, when sanctions were introduced in 2014, the heads of many of the largest uh, international companies, like Total in France, rushed to Moscow to tell the Russian government, no, business will be just as before. It will be business as usual. We will continue to make our profits. The Germans were willing to build Nord Stream 2, despite the fact that in 2014, Russia had invaded and illegally annexed Crimea. So we in the West bear a heavy responsibility for what has happened in uh, Ukraine, particularly since February of last year, when we had the all-out invasion of Ukraine by the Russian regime. We're speaking with Oral Brown, who's professor of international relations and a senior member of the Monk School of Global Affairs at the University of Toronto. And uh, I wanted to get back to what you were saying earlier about Putin's expansionist um, ideology and the fact that they have been more than just elbowing in in the Arctic and the Canadian Arctic, uh, trying to take control of the North Pole, mostly what's beneath the North Pole. But there have been those incursions. And, and I mean, that's something that needs to be on the minds of, uh, of Canadians and on the federal government in terms of funding um, a, a better and stronger uh, presence up in the Arctic. Absolutely. Russia has been militarizing the Arctic. They have invested a vast amount of money in reopening old Soviet bases, in building new ones, uh, bringing uh, additional capacity. With climate change, there may be possibilities for navigation through the Northern Sea Route. That would be absolutely crucial. If uh, the Russians get to control that, that would give them an additional tool to blackmail the rest of the world. Resource extraction in the Arctic, which is a very dangerous place to explore because of the fragility of the ecology, is something that Russia is proceeding with absolutely unhindered. And if there is an accident, whatever happened in the Gulf of Mexico would look minor by comparison. Russia is already extracting a great deal of energy from the Arctic, which it is selling internationally. The Arctic holds perhaps 25% of the world's fossil fuel uh, energy reserves, but they are very dangerous to extract. Russia doesn't care about those dangers. No, it it doesn't. That's not been on high on the list. I mean, they've been, you know, coming very close to uh, to bombing uh, nuclear power plants in Ukraine. So we can see that um, they're not exactly careful on environmental issues at all. No, and this is what happens when you have a regime that uh, is extraordinarily repressive at home. So there were all sorts of warning signs uh, that dictatorships sometimes uh, show uh, before there is additional external aggression. And first comes more domestic repression. So it was not accidental that prior to the second and larger invasion of Ukraine in February of, uh, of, of last year, For many, many months, Russia had engaged in intensive repression of opponents, of civil society organizations. Those should have been warning signs because this is a regime that tries to stay in power, that has betrayed the Russian people. When we look at the Putin regime, 
it is not only that it's bad for Ukraine, that it is danger to NATO, it has been a tragedy for the people of Russia. Um, we only have about a minute left, and I'm sorry to give you such little time to to summarize all of this. Are you expecting to see greater funding for the military? It hasn't really been coming down the pipe. I hope there will be because it's not a luxury. It's a necessity. If we could avoid it, I would be all for it because who would not prefer to spend more money on health and education uh, and housing instead? But uh, there is a world as it is, and we must recognize that, and that's what we have to deal with. And not funding the Canadian military uh, is irresponsible. Professor Brown, thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Oral Brown is Professor of International Relations and a senior member of the Monk School of Global Affairs at the University of Toronto. We've been talking about some of the challenges that lie ahead for the Canadian military this year and going forward. Today on The Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML.